We're talking Gophers draft prospects with a draft analyst, and I am ready to go to war for Mo Ibrahim. Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant, here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week. And today we have got a guest for you. We're going to dive deep in, into the dirty details of the NFL draft with Gopher prospects with none other than John Vogel at Draft Vogel over on Twitter. And you know what? John is a grinder. He puts in the work, he puts in the effort, and he looks for the intricacies. And those are always the people that we are trying to get on here, talk with, and just chop it up with. So excited to have you on the podcast today, John. I'm excited to be here, man. And I appreciate the invite and the opportunity, as always, to come talk football. Like, this is our thing, man. This is what we live for every each and every day. So it's a blessing. Absolutely. Now, we might agree in some areas. We may even disagree in some areas. We're going to... We're here to give you the good content either way. So let's kick this thing off. Let's jump in with some prospect talk right from the jump. The Gophers had four players at the NFL Draft Combine, and we are going to dive in on each one of them, and then we'll maybe take it a little further. We'll see how much time we have in there. But let's kick it off with the top prospect for the Gophers, John Michael Schmitz. Obviously, he is the one who is anticipated to go the highest of this group. Now, uh, like I said, he's one of those Four that got to the NFL draft combine. I've seen him projected as early as the first round, maybe in the 20s, early to mid 20s. And I've also shockingly on some rare occasions seen him outside of the second round. So I'm of the belief he'll be somewhere in that 20 to 40 range. What are your thoughts here on him? And what do you like from that Gopher Center that intrigues you the most? Yeah, so first off, I agree. I think that if he's on the board at 40, that's, that's going to be a surprise for everybody. Now, what I've been kind of hearing a lot about with the way that the draft's going to fall is there's a, a lot of the skill position guys outside of, I think, uh, the Ohio State receiver, Smith Najigba, and B. John Robinson. There's not a lot of interest in those types of guys um, in the back end of the first round. There's a lot of interest in the defensive lines and the offensive lines. So from what I'm hearing, we need to anticipate there's going to be a run on those players. So that's where – Schmitz, a guy like him can capitalize because if there's not a lot of skill position players that people are really interested in taking, then the, that's an opportunity for somebody who, you know, typically you hear that, oh, don't take centers in the first round, whatever that means. They're, they're giving the ball to the quarterback on every day, on every, every snap. So if you think about it, the ball's going to go through your center first. That's kind of important. Your center is often the smartest guy on the field. That's another important thing with that position. So, um, I think uh, he's probably going to come off the board, honestly, before 35. You got four extra picks this year, or uh, four. You got uh, you lost a first-round pick this year because Miami had to surrender theirs due to the tampering. But uh, the thing that, that stands out about him, honestly, is I, he's a mauler, man. Like, he's not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination compared to some of the centers we've seen. 6'3", 306, I think he measured in at. Uh, he's, you know three-year starter now almost I guess you could say four with the 2019 season but 
he's strong and he's physical and he gets downhill. And I love that. The other thing is uh, I thought his snap set was really good. Uh, sometimes it could take him a moment to refocus, but he's a smart guy. He figures all that stuff out. And I think he's a, he's going to be a leader on that offensive line as well for teams down the road. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing you can preach to with John Michael Schmitz is consistency. And he's great, great in leverage. He understands he has that high IQ, like you had talked about. So he sees the field. He's, he's quick to analyze how to get leverage. And I think whoever gets him is going to be getting a steal. And if you can say that with a round one or early round two type of guy, that's high praise. And you, I go and I look at Jim Nagy, head of the senior bowl. I feel like I see a new tweet from him every other week talking about don't overthink it, draft this guy. So I'm excited to see where he goes. Now, before we move to another prospect, I want you to shoot your shot. If you had to take a shot in the dark, where do you think he lands and when? You know, so I am working on my mock draft, uh, my final mock draft of the year. Um, I am still debating some of the final picks. I think that there's a potential for a trade up probably right there at 30 makes the most sense to me. Someone like Seattle could move up to 30. I think that would be a good target for them because they just got their bookend tackles uh, last year in the first and the third round. Um, he's going to fit their system with what they want to do, which is they run the ball a lot. You know, they're not a team that really wants to spread the ball out and do a lot of things like that. So he would fit there. I think that uh, you could potentially see that trade up. They've got a couple picks there in the second round that they can give immediately. The Eagles are always open to trades. Um, they've traded before, I believe, these two teams in the draft at some point in the last few years between Howie Roseman and John Schneider. They have a good relationship. Uh, so 30 makes a lot of sense to me, and maybe a dark horse, honestly, as crazy as it might sound, maybe the Giants at 25. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not calling you crazy there. I actually think 25, the Giants is my my guess if I had to take a shot. And if I if that doesn't happen, if it goes to the second round, my gut right now is telling me to look at the Steelers with that early Chicago pick mm. in the second round. I think that's yeah. an exciting one as well. I know he's had some talks with their camp. So regardless, looking forward to John Michael Schmitz heading to the NFL. I said to the, the listeners here, this might be the first big man offensive lineman jersey I ever buy in my jersey buying career. So I'm excited to see where he goes. But let's move to the next gopher prospect we have to talk about. And that, I think, is the most underrated gophers prospect in this draft. And that's Terrell Smith. So oh, overall, yeah. I'm excited about tea time cornerback for the Gophers. He has an RAS score, which is relative athletic score of 8.67, ran a 4-4-1 at the combine. But honestly, I don't think he gets enough touted about his man coverage skills and some of the tasks he had in his time here with the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on the Gophers cornerback Terrell Smith? Well, first off, he's right there in that perfect size that you want, right? Six foot and a half. I wrote an article last year about cornerbacks. Uh, if you're not running a heavy zone coverage type scheme, you typically you get a guy that's six two. He's not going to work out. It's just history. Uh, if you go back to the last, I guess you could say that Sauce Gardner right now is the exception, but he is in a heavy zone scheme. In in uh, with the Jets right now, not playing a whole lot of man coverage. You know, Tariq Woolen again, very heavy zone scheme. But traditionally, up to that point, you know, the past this year, uh, there's not a lot of guys that have been 6'2 or plus a corner that's worked out. They've had to either move to safety or they just didn't pan out in the league. So he's got that he's got that good reactive ability, too. So like I think that's the big thing 
with speed. We are always looking at straight line speed. How does he run his 40? That kind of stuff. When the real thing we need to be looking at is what does his reactive speed look like? And so there is some reactive speed there that you see. Now, he killed his projection, obviously, you know, and, you know, the, the explosive numbers weren't terrible either. 34 vertical, 10 broad jump. So there was some good stuff to work with there as well. But he's just a natural athlete and he's reactive. To me, that's the number one thing I want to see in a corner outside of, you know, maybe the, well, actually the next thing being can you tackle in space? Like that's my big thing is if you can't tackle as a corner, I've got, I mean, I have problems with you. CJ Henderson a few years ago, remember him coming out mm -hmm. of Florida? Everybody was like, oh, top 10 guy. Great. You know, oh, you don't have to worry about him tackling because he's never going to allow a catch. No, it doesn't work like that, man. It happens. You're going to allow catches. You got to be able to make the stop. I think that he can do that as well. So uh, that's a good one. I was expecting you to go straight to Mo Ibrahim, if I'm being honest. But <laughs> nope, I, I we're going to talk about him fourth of the four. Actually, I actually Ooh, think okay. of them all. I'm excited to hear your take on him, but wrapping it up a little bit with Terrell Smith. Now, PFF has him ranked as a top 10 cornerback or at least some of their analysts do, do you have him that high when it comes to the cornerback position? Or where would you say Terrell Smith is in this class? He's right there in the 10 to 14 mix. And I say that because there's a lot of – this is a deep corner class, first off. In terms – like there's a, a lot of dudes that we've been looking at and we're talking about. There's a few that fell due to injury. Um, You know, like a guy like Garrett Williams. Smith could go before Williams, even though – he's going to be graded higher on my chart out of Syracuse, the, the, the guy out of Syracuse. Um, he's probably going to go before them because of the injury. So it just kind of depends where, where a team has you. The other thing is scheme. Scheme is so important. Uh, so I think that third, maybe, maybe sneak into the late second, but third round makes a lot of sense for him. And if he's still on the board by, I'm going to say over under 80, 80.5, I'd be surprised if he's still on the board after that. Absolutely. I love to hear it. It's music to my ears. Uh, I'm hoping that he just finds the perfect landing spot. Like I said, good in that man coverage. You talked about the good size. And one thing that maybe doesn't get enough love out there from the analysts, I, in my opinion, is the fact that he can get involved in the blitz. He had two sacks last year coming off the edge. He, he's just a very cerebral player and understanding what the task is on a given play. So I'm excited about Terrell Smith. Now, coming up next, we've got two more of those combine prospects to talk about, and then maybe we'll dive into some of the dirty details. Like I said, that's what's coming up next. But first, let's talk about a word from our friends over at FanDuel. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. We've got grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're all back because the MLB is officially back, and there's no place better to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win in your first bet. So go out there, go put some bets down on who is going to have the most home runs in a game. Go put some bets down on the Twins' final record over or under, and so much more. You can check it out over at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started with a no sweat, no sweat first bet for new customers. Again, don't miss your chance over at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, Gophers fans, thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Golden Gophers and making us your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. We're joined by John Vogel, 
Uh, you should definitely give him a look over on Twitter at DraftVogel. He's a draft analyst, and he dives into the nitty-gritty details. Now, we've talked about two Gophers draft prospects already, and we're going to dive in further to the next one on the list, which is Jordan Howden. Top 10 free safety in the class in RAS at an 8.87. He had a 39.5 vert. 44940 and had great splits in the 10 and 20 splits plus a pretty quick cone time. What do you think about Jordan Howden? What excites you about him? Is he getting enough love? Is he maybe getting too much love? What do you think so far with Jordan Howden? I think Howden is probably a guy that slides into the fifth round and, you know, in, in that range. And so I think the first thing that, that helped his case as a prospect was, he tested better than we thought he would at the combine. Mm-hmm. Now you might've also heard this a little bit over the last couple of years where uh, the track at the, at the Indianapolis is much faster than most other places. It's kind of been proven guys go run it, run an Indy ever since they put the new turf down in what, 2019, somewhere on there. Um, guys run faster there than they do anywhere else. It was just, it's part of the fact. So, but he did test better. So four, four, nine, even when you take, Usually they'll take 0.3, 0.4 seconds off due to that track. Even when you take that, he still ran better than he projected. But the biggest thing about being a safety prospect is, number one is instincts. And he has instincts. He moves to the ball really mm-hmm. well. I like that on tape. And he's got a ton of experience, too. You know, four-year starter. I mean, you don't develop instincts any better than being on the field and watching the play and learning how to read and recognize. That's what he's done. So that's good. Now the thing, the other the next thing is speed. You got to be able to have the speed on the back end because if you're a safety and you can't play on one high by yourself, I think that that's part of it. That's that's going to push you down draft board to at least third round. And that's been pretty much traditional across the board. There's been a few exceptions. I think Kyle Hamilton comes to mind just because he was already a big guy that could kind of play in the box already. Howden doesn't have that size, uh, so we're automat- we're already talking third round with him. And then you start talking, taking in the next part, which is tackling. You have to be able to tackle. You have to be a defender in space. And he likes to utilize a sideline a lot. And I didn't think he was as sure of a tackler as he could be uh, compared to some of the other safeties in the class. But I mean, there's stuff there to to work with. You're going to have to find the right role for him. I think in a cover two system that you're running a lot of cover two and trying to keep the, you know, the the ball in front of you as a defense, he's going to be just fine doing that coming downhill letting them kind of read and see he'll be fine within that kind of a role. Um, and I think that you're going to try to utilize him in the box a little bit as well, too, because he was a good blitzer. Yeah, no, I mean, I love to hear it overall. And I think you t- you mentioned something that was a great strength in his time here, which is recognition. I feel like you saw that develop a lot over the whole course of his four or five years here. And what a lot of people don't know outside of the Gophers fan base is that he started as a walk-on. And the fact that he fought his way, grinded his way, worked his way into that full-time starter, building in the recognition, building in the leadership and communication on the field. I think that will go a long way in the right rooms. Now, one room that he got to work with firsthand at the East-West Shrine Bowl was that Patriots defensive back room. I think that could be a fun spot for him. More of a quiet guy, head down, keep working, do your job mentality. So that would be a fun fit in my opinion. But some of the teams that have had a top 30 visit with Jordan Howden include the 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, Raiders and the Seahawks of those teams of those options, who do you think he could maybe make the greatest impact with? You know, I think for San Francisco makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I, I, I kind of got in a little bit of trouble on a 49ers podcast this year because I said something about their, their safety on the back end. I think uh, Mufanga said that he kind of <laughs> had he, – he might be a little bit of a liability and it was immediately turning, oh, did you see his PFF numbers, this and that? I'm like, no, but I watched the Chargers game. You know, so they went, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, so I think that you always want depth at that position, especially with injuries. Injuries is a huge part of football, right? And I think that when you look at San Francisco, the way that that team, there are certain teams, they just traditionally have a lot of injuries. And I don't think it's so much like on the coaching staff. It's not so much on the medical staff. It's just, I think that there are some places it's harder to play than others. And San Francisco is kind of one of those real weird weather spot places where sometimes mm-hmm. it's really nice and sometimes it's really not. And because of that, it makes it a really difficult place to play. And they have a lot of in, like they can't keep a quarterback healthy to save their life, you know, just as an example. But I think that uh, when you look at Howden, that's a guy that if Mufanga goes down, he's a perfect replacement for that because he can fill right into that role. Exactly. So San Francisco stands out. Seattle makes a lot of sense too, just because they like their zone guys. They like guys like him that are going to play, you know, with their recognition and, and come downhill. So I think those are the two. There was one you didn't mention. I'm surprised they don't have a top 30 visit with him, but it's Detroit. Detroit would be another great place. They need safeties bad. And, you know, they, they, that was probably the, the weakest part of their defense over the last couple of years. And that's a guy that could help them out immediately. I love to hear it. Now, I agree with you overall. I think day three is what we're looking at with Jordan Howden, but I would be shocked if he didn't get drafted. I think he's impressed a lot of teams over there. Mm -hmm. So those three names we've talked about, I think they're all, in my eyes, locks to be drafted. Now, the next guy I also think is a lock to be drafted, but I know that there are people that disagree. I know that there are people that read into the fears a lot, and that is Gophers legend running back Mo Ibrahim. This is one that, like I said, I disagree with the people that say, oh, he won't be drafted or whatnot, just because I understand the fears. I get that he had a massive injury in the Achilles. Mm -hmm. I get that he is an older prospect. I get that he doesn't have the breakaway long speed. But what he does have is that contact balance that you can't teach, as well as the vision and the understanding to hit the hole, find the hole, or follow your blocks to a T. And I just... When people say he's going to go undrafted, I, I call blasphemy right there. So what are your <laughs> thoughts? I'm ready to go to war if that's you. But regardless, I do think it's valuable for the fans to hear your opinion. What do you see when you see Mo Ibrahim? Do you think he gets drafted? And let's talk a little bit about the Gophers running back. Yeah, no, I think so. The first big thing about his game uh, to me is, like you said, contact balance galore. Like I just I'm look, I have to pull up my notes on these guys as we're talking about them. And I've just got. I'm praising him. There's nothing but praise on that. Nothing but praise on, on field vision, reading blocks, the way that he understands defenders and sets them up. Um, the ACL is, is scary, especially just because he's already, he's played six years of, of college football. And there's a lot of running backs that enter into the league now that have three years, right? So I guess there's, everybody kind of understands that the running back position is a, you know, with a few exceptions, is a one contract position now. And that's just because there's too much talent that comes into the league to supply the demand for it. And so that pushes older guys off to the side and everything else over time. Does he, is he, is he a draftable prospect? 1000%. Absolutely. You know, with, with his ability uh, just to, to run between the tackles alone, 
there's not a lot of guys that run between the tackles better than him. I thought he was capable as a receiver out of the backfield. Wasn't utilized like that a lot, but he's capable. And then I thought that he also, you know, he's limited in his power as a pass protector, but he was used as a uh, lead blocker in run patterns. Like we'd see that sometimes when they bring in pots, I think it was the, was the running back they go to and hand off to pots and Ibrahim becomes the lead blocker. And I thought that he gives up position and he doesn't give up his rep, even when he starts to lose it off initially, you know, in pass protection. So there's stuff to work with there on that. When you can do all three aspects and you're capable at them, which is for him, it's running the football, it's pass protection and it's being a receiver out of the backfield. You have a chance of getting in there in the sixth, seventh round, but the, it's just going to come down to how important are people going to look at the age, you know, because the age is going to be a big, big factor because we got 20 running backs in this class right now that are basically juniors or redshirt juniors. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when you look at it, it's, it's that it's like that in the back of their mind, Oh, what if this guy could take a second contract and him treads already on the tracks? I would say it's probably a 30% chance that he gets drafted. And that's the other thing too, is what is his agency feeling like? You know, like I, I think that this is kind of a, one of those quiet secrets that you're not supposed to talk about. But players, when they're about to get drafted, they will legit, legitimately tell people, you know, if it's sixth round or whatever, and they don't want to go to that team, now don't draft me. We're going to go into free agency. Like that happens all the time. You know, so when you get to that point in the draft where, you know, sixth round, and now we're starting to figure out free agent deals and everything else like that. Is he a guy that's just trying to get an opportunity and he's willing to take that draft pick? Or is he going to be one of these guys that's going to kind of call up, you know, his agents can call up and go, no, 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 we don't want to go there. We don't have a chance to make that team, you know? So I think that he's going to be willing to take any opportunity that he can get his hands on, especially if it means that he's getting drafted. And so I think I would expect him. That's why I give him a chance uh, because I think there's a lot of running backs at that point that would just bow out and say, don't pick me at this point. Yeah, from what I know from Mo, from the pressers, from talking with him here and there, I think overall he is definitely a guy that, understands the opportunities ahead of him and I think I don't I couldn't see him bowing out in that case kind of what you've brought up but I think overall well first I want to throw this out there because you said ACL and I know that there's a bunch of people on YouTube a bunch of people on Twitter that'll be like oh you said this wrong or but it was an Achilles injury which might oh, okay. be even worse bad. for his yep. for his case but I had at him the down same as time, ACL Achilles at the same time Cam Akers Achilles Donta Foreman Achilles and the worry with a lot of these is that they can't come back and produce after it. And I think he showed with this last year and setting the program record, the production, the vision, the contact balance is all still there. But I think a lot of people, especially people that maybe lean on the fantasy football side of things, look at too much about like, he's not going to be the guy. I don't think Mo Ibrahim has the thought process that he's going to a room to be the guy anymore, but he's looking to contribute in any manner he can as a running back in the room. So Overall, I think his high IQ is going to help him a lot. A lot of people outside of the Gopher space don't know this as well, but during that Achilles injury, he got hurt in the first game against Ohio State. He took the time to basically sit in with the coaches and understand how they break down film, how they play call, how they decide when should what plays should be called at what points and what can hit at this point, and took all of that in, basically being a, an additional coach on the staff. And then this past season, they would he would go in, do that stuff on his own, come back to the coaches and say, I think that this play, this play, and this play are going to work for us, and it's going to hit big at some point. 
And he called his own shot on some of those. And we hear about him in the pressers afterwards that, you know, he had analyzed this play and it broke off for 40 yards that game. So did little things like that. Those are the things that we don't hear about, but I think those are the extra concepts that the teams that sit in these interviews with them at the combine or the teams that went and interviewed him overall, that's what they'll see, which will help get him into that sixth, seventh round conversation, even past the age, even past the injuries. So that's why I'm really passionate. I think he will be drafted, but you know what? I could be wrong. I could eat crow here on the show as well, but I got to ask you this. What type of running back room do you think would best fit Mo Ibrahim? What's the dream scenario in your eyes for his career? Because personally, when I hear things like maybe he goes to the Giants and he, he just helps out with goal line or short yardage stuff behind a Saquon or something, or maybe he goes to the Cowboys and is a backup for Tony Pollard or someone of that sort. What do you think is the best just upon quick analysis? Well, I mean, if you look at, what Minnesota did offensively it was a very heavy pro style scheme. Um, there's a little bit of gap scheme. There's a little bit of, pow- of, of zone. And so, you know, that he can do both that helps you out tremendously right there. Cause there are some guys that are better at running gap. And then there are some guys that are better at running zone. So we know that he has the field vision to play zone. You know, he's going to pick the right hole. The other thing too, is we know that he can play gap cause he's already done it and he does it. He did it a lot, especially this, the last, I, I want to say the, 2019 2020 seasons there's a lot of gap that minnesota called um the the thing is too with that that when you look at you want to a rotation typically in the nfl is three running backs nowadays at least with just because you got your third down back you got your power back and you got your main back and sometimes uh, you can carve yourself out a special role as well where you do a little bit more. Maybe you're splitting the, the main back between the third down back because he's capable in that round. So what it looks like to me is if you're looking at a third and long situation, you want this guy in there. And that's because he can provide some pass protecting help. If you need to run him as a receiver, he needs to run a chip or a fox, whatever you want to call it, coming out of the backfield, he can do that as well. And – Third down is not a, is not a bad role. That's there's some great running backs that have had that role in the league. So I think that there's a little bit of that. But I think he's one of these guys that's going to be a third down back role that's going to split time, and he's going to take you know ten carries a game, let's say, in that kind of a role if he can fit into the right place. Now Dallas makes a lot of sense, like because you mentioned them, Pollard, uh, Zeke is gone. Obviously, Zeke is on the way out, and where I mean he already is. So it's wherever he ends up going, we'll see. But Dallas kind of has an opening, you know, and, and they've they like to keep running backs that are more. So I don't want to say I don't want to call them old because they're not old, but, they you know, they're more aged, they're more experienced. Right. They like those types of running backs in theory. Uh, Green Bay could be a place too potentially just because you've got a one two punch there already. You kind of need a third to prevent against injury. That could be a place as well. Um Pretty much anybody that's gonna that wants to run a balanced zone gap scheme, I think he's fine running in. So that gives him a lot of options, honestly, across the league. All right. Well, we have three final quick questions. We won't dive too deep on these ones, but I want to wrap it up with this. So that's what's coming up next. So to close this thing off, I don't want to lead you in any directions, but are there any other gophers that you have taking a deeper look at or anything like that, that have a shot at being selected late or intrigue you at all as preferred free agents after the draft. Uh, yeah. So 
I think the big one, obviously, that everybody wants to know about is, you know, it's Tanner Morgan. It's because Tanner Morgan was a guy a few years ago that we were talking about as a potential draft pick, and he just kind of fell off a cliff. And during that, I think it was that COVID season. And I know the, the story, you know, with his dad and everything. His dad had actually reached out to me probably eight months before he died because I'd written an article about his son. He was asking me, what does he need to do to get better? Like, what is he, what do you, you know, what does he need to be doing? And I told him, I told him exactly what I thought. He thanked me up and down. The dude was so involved in Tanner's life. You know, when you, when that whole story came out that, you know, like when I heard that he had died, it, it, it took me back. I'm not a gopher fan. I just, dang, like, you know, cause that, that was so important to him. Now the thing about, um, Tanner is he was also drafted in the USFL by the Michigan Panthers. I think that's ultimately where he ends up is he's going to be down there in that level. He does have the potential to try to develop up. It's just going to be about getting speed and processing and making sure that he's seeing everything right. I thought this year he looked better than he had the last two years, you know, and obviously there were games that were bad, but that's what it looked like to me. I think that uh, he reminds me a lot of a Baker Mayfield type of, skill set not personality but skill set <laughs> and uh, good clarification there yeah no because we, we don't need to get into all that with baker but uh you know and it's for him it's re- it's all upstairs right now it's all up here it's all up in his head and that's what he needs to work through and if he can get the coaching and the patience and the time for somebody to sit down with him and work through that he's going to be fine uh i don't I know about a guy next year. I think he's still in Minnesota. You'll have, you'll have to correct me if he's not, because I'm not hip on all these transfers and everything yet. That's two weeks from now is when I start getting caught up on all that. But uh, Dylan Wright. And Dylan I know Wright he's... actually officially hit the transfer portal. Grad transfer. Oh, <laughs> See, because that guy was so much fun to watch. I liked him a lot. Um, the, uh, the last dude I can only think about is Thomas Rush. Um, Thomas Rush is a three, four outside linebacker, probably the next level who probably doesn't get drafted. And if he does, he's, it'll be very late, but that's a guy that could potentially fit into a room somewhere and develop up and, and end up playing in the league for a few years. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. I have three names that I don't think any of them will get drafted, but if they do, they could sneak in maybe in the seventh or be a preferred free agent. That's Thomas Rush, Tanner Morgan, like you both named. And then Mariano Sori Marin, linebacker, mm-hmm. middle linebacker. Uh, we'll see what happens with the three of them. I think they all have the hard work to try and push themselves into an opportunity, a camp invite, or what have you. But definitely, we'll see what's to come. The final question I have for you, and maybe you don't have any on your radar right now, maybe you do. But was you kind of led me into it? Are there any names in future drafts that stand out to you? I know two candidates at the top of a lot of people's lists right now are Brevin Spanford, the tight end, and then Tyler Newbin, the safety. Uh, both of them have gotten some sort of all uh, all Big Ten honorable mention, or on the Tyler Newbin was on the second team last year. Any mm-hmm. other names that intrigue you, or with those two guys? Yeah, both of those guys that you named. Um... Span Ford's going to be a lot of fun to evaluate. He's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see the jump this year. I think that he's potentially a top 10 tight end next year. And then, you know, Newbin is also fun, but I'll give you Trey Potts, man. Trey Potts Just is hit the transfer portal. You missed that one too. Oh, the transfer no. is wild out there, isn't it? Oh, it's just see, wild, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I tried to keep up with it the first week. And <laughs> 
once I once once I got through it, I was like, "There's no way I can keep up with all these scouting reports and everything else that I'm trying to do." And so, two weeks from now is when I plan on going through it. Is Daniel Jackson still there then? Yes, yes. Daniel okay. Jackson is there. You here go right there. Going off. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. That's a good one right there. Um, mostly schemed in space, I thought, but very solid after the catch. Really good contact balance, field vision. Uh, good speed has a couple of good cuts, so there's some change of direction ability, and I thought he was fairly explosive. So that's a that's a potential guy that I I'm interested in seeing in Minnesota next year. Yeah, you and me both. I think so far from these spring pack practices, it looks like he's even taken it a step further when it comes to that number one wide receiver role and just how is he pushing himself for another year. So I think it's a great name to have on the list. I'm excited to see how it all pans out. But before we wrap this thing up, I want you to let the people know where they can find you and what you're working on right now prior to the draft. Yeah, so mock draft is 3.0 will be out probably the week of the draft on NFLDraftBlitz.com. Everything that I do is up on Twitter, basically. It goes up there, podcast appearances, podcasts that I do, video, whatever, at DraftVogel. And then, uh, you know, we're going to have – I'm going to have a bunch of different articles this in the next couple of weeks that will be – I already dropped one about the quarterbacks, best fits for the top quarterbacks in the class. I broke down 14 quarterbacks and where they would best fit and where they're projected to kind of go. We're going to have one for the skill position group, going to have one for offensive linemen, which your boy is going to be in that one right there. And then uh, defensive line as well as defensive backs. And so it'll just, it, just a fun little exercise where it's kind of a, hey, I'd love to see this guy here for this reason, but here's where he's projected to go kind of look. I love it. Well, definitely throw a follow at Draft Vogel over on Twitter and check out his work. That's going to do it for us today at Lockdown Golden Gophers. Thank you for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube, and we will see you again tomorrow. Row the boat. Sky Uma. Go Gophers.